But watch lest falls with base alloy the help. peace and mercy to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The text is the epistle from Revelation. Please be seated. Well, brothers and sisters, when we look at the church, that is to say, when we look at it from below, from a human point of view, all we tend to see are what? The divisions, the scandals, the heresies, the schisms, the incompetent and corrupt pastors, the unending power struggles, and more. And it's not a pretty sight from a human point of view. And that's why many quit Christianity in disgust and disappointment in this country. However, this is not how Jesus sees his bride, the church. Jesus has a view from above, a divine point of view. And from that perspective, the church, his bride, looks much, much differently. Because our Lord Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross, the church's sin is washed away. His blood purifies from all sin, 1 John 1. So consequently, from the Lord's Good Friday perspective, his bride, the church, is, as Paul says in Ephesians 5, without blemish or wrinkle. She's been washed and she's been clothed by Christ, Titus 3 and Galatians 3. The church, our Lord's bride, she appears in his eyes to be radiant and glorious. The key here is, as the church is in Christ. In Christ. That's the key. In the book of Revelation, the apostle John is given the God's eye view of the church, Christ's bride. John wrote down what he saw to share with us so that uh, we don't lose hope and so that we do not despair about the church. In Revelation, we are given to see the church, not from our perspective, but from God's point of view. And she is pictured not only as Christ's bride, but also described in another way. Did you catch it? As a holy city coming down from God out of heaven. This is absolutely astounding and amazing. The bride of the Lamb, the church is also pictured as a, as a city, a great and a holy city to boot. She is the new, Jerus new Jerusalem whose builder and architect is God himself. Not a city built by man. The man-made city in the book of Revelation is what? Babylon. And Babylon in the book of Revelation is a prostitute. But Jerusalem is pictured as a bride, our Lord's beloved bride. The city that man builds, which includes all of our cities, is destined for destruction. But the city that God builds, that's destined for eternity. Remember what Jesus said, not even the gates of hell will prevail against my church. Remember that? So it bears repeating. Revelation 21 gives us the God's eye view of what? The church, the bride of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And she is, from his point of view, radiant 
and a rare jewel, very, very precious to bridegroom Jesus, purchased by his Good Friday blood that flowed from his pierced side. She is as clear as crystal, transparent to the light of Jesus. That, mean, that means that nothing gets in the way of Jesus shining through her. In this life, sin gets in the way, doesn't it? Or we get in the way. Remember Jesus said in the New Testament, let your light shine before men. But what keeps that light of Jesus from shining is our own sinful selves. And so we, we cloud and we obscure the light of Jesus with our own egos and self-justifications. We draw attention to what we do instead of what Jesus has Good Fridayly done. But in the church, in God's holy city, from his divine point of view, for Jesus' sake, as pictured in the book of Revelation, everything in the church is transparent as what? Even though it's pure gold, it's transparent as glass. Even the gold that paves its streets and the precious stone that form its foundation. Nothing, absolutely nothing, gets in the way of the light of Jesus. All the goodness, all the mercy, all the love of God shines through everything in the New Jerusalem, God's city. It's undiminished, and it's un unimpeded by our egos and self-justifying agendas. Now, such clarity defies our imaginations, because I don't know about you, but I hear this all the time, especially from this new generation. We talk about what? All the time. It's 24-7. Transparency. Right? You hear this all the time. We hear about it in business, in government, in family. But in the book of Revelation here in chapter 21, this is a transparency that only God can achieve, where even gold is clear as glass. Now we see, remember what Paul said? Now we see but through a mirror dimly, like looking through a window that is smudged with soot and, and grease, or the greasy fingerprints of our old sinful nature are on everything we touch. But in God's city, the stain of sin is washed away forever, and clarity is restored. In addition, did you note that God's city, the church, is a... Uh, <clears throat> Dare I say it? I will. Because the text says it. A gated community. It is. But it's not like the gated communities in Omaha, or Lincoln, or San Francisco, or Miami, or Chicago, designed to do what? To keep the outsiders out. But in God's city, the bride of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gates are designed to let the outsiders in. <laughs> Twelve gates of perfect, precious pearl open to the four compass directions. Always open, never shut, never locked. This is where we get the talk, you've heard it all your life, of heaven's pearly gates. Pearls are costly, you remember, and precious, like the pearl of great price, remember that? That is worth everything one has. Yeah, consider the cost. These pearls by which you enter God's city, the church, were purchased not with gold or silver, but with the holy precious blood and the innocent suffering and death of Jesus. And so entry into God's city isn't cheap, but it's Good Friday Lee paid for by the Lord Jesus. 
And there's more according to the text. Check it out. The names of Israel's tribes are inscribed on these gates. This reminds all who enter that they come into the city through God's Israel as sons and daughters of Abraham, who was saved only by faith in the coming Jesus. God's chosen people, Israel, his holy nation, his priestly kingdom, set apart from other nations, is remembered in the walls of the new Jerusalem. The salvation of the world essentially then comes through who? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the sons of Jacob, who were all believers in the promise of Jesus who was to come. This was God's plan carried out in Israel and fulfilled in Jesus, the son of Abraham, son of David, son of Israel. The gates point to the four corners of the earth, the text says. Three gates in each direction open to the whole world and to all of redeemed humanity. God's building program began in a garden, you remember, with who? Adam and Eve, hiding in shame and fear, but clothed with the promise of the coming Savior, Genesis 3.15. The divine promise was given to one man then, Abraham, that he would be the father of nations, and that through his promised seed, Christ, all nations would be blessed. The divine promise was finally fulfilled in one life, death and resurrection of the Son of God, offspring of Abraham, Jesus the Christ, who redeemed all of humanity in his death and who invites all nations to come through these Israelite gates. Did you also notice that the city is 12,000 stadia in every direction? For all of you math geeks, that's about 1,380 miles. Right, that? It's a perfect cube of a city. The first century Greeks, you remember, considered the cube to be the perfect geometric form. God's city is perfectly proportioned. Nothing is out of alignment. Nothing is off-kilter. If you build for a living, you know how important that is. Our man-made cities are anything but perfection. They're tossed together, it seems, these days, and crooked, seemingly without plan or purpose, just thrown up all at once. One thing always seems to get in the way of another thing. But in God's city, all things work together in harmony. The Hebrew word is shalom. Because Jesus, are you listening? Jesus is the cornerstone setting the angles with his sinless perfection. I said, and it bears repeating, that our man-made cities are built on the rubble of the past, the death of civilizations that went before. With literally the earthly Jerusalem, it's literally true. If you've been to Jerusalem, you know that the new city of Jerusalem rests atop the rubble of the old city of Jerusalem. But God's city in the text, oh, it rests on 12 multicolored foundations. Each layer bears the name of an apostle, and it refracts the light of Christ in all of its multicolored beauty. So the foundation of the church then is apostolic. The wall of the city had 12 foundations, the text says, and on them were written the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now, do you remember Acts 2.42? 
The church in Jerusalem devoted herself to what? Four things, but the first and foremost was what? To the apostles' teaching. Why? Because behind them stood the Lord himself. He taught them. And the Spirit led them into all truth, just as Jesus promised in John 16. And so we believe then in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We too then follow the apostolic word. And we are reminded that through each of the apostles, even though each one spoke in his unique voice with his unique color, nevertheless, it's all the same light. It's all the same light, the same <laughs> Jesus, refracted like a rainbow or a prism into all the colors of the gospel's glorious spectrum. Now, did you notice anything else from Revelation 21 today? Did you? It's this. There's no temple in God's city. Boy, doesn't that sound strange? I mean, if worship is the only activity of the church in heaven, then why isn't there a temple? How can you worship without a temple? Well, when you're standing in the unmediated presence of God and the Lamb, you don't need one. Who needs a temple when you're in the presence of the one whose body is the temple par excellence? Remember, destroy this temple, Jesus said about his body. So God's city, the church, our Lord's bride, is a city unlike anything that we could build with our own hands. And that's the point of Revelation 21. God builds his church with Israelite walls and apostolic foundations. <laughs> he takes the raw and rough material of our history and brings the glory and the honor of the nations through those gates of pearl into the endless light of Jesus. History then is redeemed. Your life history is redeemed. Everything looks differently when illuminated by the light of the Lamb, when seen through the prism of the apostolic word. Everything looks different when it's seen in, with, and under the light. Jesus himself. You remember on the eve of his death, Jesus reminded his disciples, in the world you will have tribulation, but take part, I've overcome the world. We heard that, didn't we, today? In this life, in our cities, our neighborhoods, our homes, our lives, we're going to have tribulation, hardship, tears, frustration, anguish. You may despair that there is no goodness and mercy in this world. You may wonder and perhaps even doubt if God even cares. You may even doubt if Jesus really does reign. You may doubt that there is any future, any hope, or anything looking forward to. Our Lord's answer to you from the cross and his open tomb is this. I've overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Not to destroy it, but to save it. Not to improve it, but to redeem it. Not to renovate man's city, but to build God's city, his kingdom. And you're part of it. You're baptized. Your name is written in the Lamb's baptismal book. And so now God's city is your city, the place where you belong. The place where you are, you are at most at home. The place you already have in Christ by faith. Brothers and sisters, you will rise again in your bodies on the last day to enter those Israelite gates of precious pearl, to stand on the apostolic foundations, 
to walk on the streets of translucent gold and to see the light of Jesus in all of his glory, to worship in the presence of God and of the Lamb in the Spirit. And you will marvel at the perfected symmetry of what God has done with this world and its sorrows. This is your destiny. It is your inheritance and it is your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, in the world you're going to have tribulation. But take heart, dear brothers and sisters. Jesus has died and he's risen. He's overcome sin, death, the grave, and the world. So thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in the name of Jesus, amen.